Welcome to the Everyday Sublime Podcast, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers. I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, and I'm also a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. Each episode, I will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I want to talk to you about yin yoga as being a kind of universal donor of yoga styles, how it functions as a perfect complement yoga style to other more yang yoga styles, and also how yin yoga's utter simplicity belies its profound effects. So let's get started. Okay, so how is yin yoga the universal donor or complementary strategy for yoga? In many people's minds, when they think of exercise, they hold a yang bias, I think, about what exercise means. They think that exercise must involve dynamic activity, whether it be weightlifting, running, or flow yoga. But this bias in favor of yang forms of exercise often influences their views and feelings about equally essential yin forms of exercise. So here's one way that this bias shows up in yoga. Because so many people in modern culture tend to use their yoga practice as their sole form of exercise, a frequent concern that arises for them around doing yin yoga is that they think they couldn't do only yin yoga and keep fit. All too frequently, someone tells me, you know, I love how yin yoga makes me feel, but I couldn't just do yin yoga. And based on their expression as they say this to me, I can only assume that they think they've caught me in some kind of uh, gotcha moment where they're exposing a kind of blind spot in my understanding of a comprehensively holistic exercise practice. And much to their surprise, I simply respond, of course, of course you wouldn't only practice yin yoga. I would never suggest that. I might also continue with something like this. Look, yin yoga is not a standalone complete form of yoga or exercise. That's not its intention. The broad intention behind yin yoga is to offer complementary and balancing exercise for the body, addressing both body and mind from a more yin angle. The intention is to stimulate tissues that yang yoga might neglect, to harmonize the body and mind, to balance these dynamics, all in a way that an exclusive emphasis of yang-only yoga might not address. So in some sense, as intelligent yoga practitioners, we need to become more nuanced in our view about what exercise means. There are yang ways to exercise the body and mind, and there are yin ways to exercise the body and mind. Both styles offer complementary strategies for exercising tissues, energies, and capacities of mind. Now, with the risk of sounding like a yoga exceptionalist, I think it's a fair observation to say that many popular styles of physical yoga today emphasize yang aspects of body and mind. They might go about their emphasis in different ways, but in general, 
Many styles of yoga emphasize movement and or muscular engagement or contraction. And they emphasize the mental capacity of influence and control, all yang dynamics. But yin yoga is really the only style that I'm aware of that explicitly emphasizes stillness and relaxation so that the dense connective tissues are safely and positively stressed. Yes, other styles like restorative yoga emphasize stillness and relaxation too. But restorative yoga avoids stressing the body, at least in the same way that yin yoga encourages. Now something that many, many yang yoga practitioners have discovered is that by integrating yin yoga into their overall yoga practice, their yang practices have also benefited tremendously. They might report, or these yogis might say, they feel more fluid and less restricted in their yang practices. They also report a kind of heightened awareness or attentional sensitivity that seems to develop in their yin practice and that is then transposed into their yang practices. In other words, they report being more aware of what they're feeling in their yang yoga and even more observant of what's going on in their minds while practicing yang yoga. And overall, they also find themselves feeling just generally more balanced, which speaks to the overall goal of developing yin and yang qualities of being, that is, promoting balance. So in this regard, no matter what style of yang yoga you might practice, I like to make the case that yin yoga can be thought of as the universal donor to any yang style. Yin yoga can complement and support any other style of yang yoga. In other words, yin yoga is the style of yoga that can get along with everyone at the party. Now in concluding this introductory series on yin yoga, I'd like to return to the theme of yin yoga's simplicity. Truly, yin yoga is one of the simplest practices I've ever encountered. After all, what could be simpler than coming into a posture, relaxing certain muscles, and hanging out staying relatively still for a few minutes? And yet, the simplicity of yin yoga belies its profundity. Within the simplicity of yin yoga, deep restrictions in the body are gently coaxed to safe and healthy stages of opening. This was most noticeable to me when I first began going on long, silent meditation retreats years back. On my first few retreats, my body was literally racked with mind-numbing pain and resistance. And this was the case after, even after many years of a dedicated Iyengar yoga practice. However, by adding yin yoga to my routine, after just a few months of yin yoga practice, I found that I could meditate for much longer, in much greater comfort, and that the nagging pain and soreness of meditation had become a thing of the past. Also, anecdotally, as a teacher, I've had numerous students report to me how yin yoga has truly been a lifesaver. For one reason or another, yin yoga was the only practice or intervention that was able to mitigate their chronic back pain or discomfort. And again, this speaks to the ways that simple interventions can have enormous impacts on the body. Energetically and mentally, I've also found the practice to have had a noticeably profound impact in my life. A softer, gentler side began to develop in consequence of practicing yin yoga more. And this complemented my tendency to control and overly micromanage myself and at times others. As these yin dimensions of my being developed more, I noticed a growing intuition around what kinds of things I needed to do or exercise or eat in order to appropriately nourish myself on all levels, supporting balance. And I don't think I would have come to this kind of intuition 
if I had been practicing an asymmetrically yang-only approach to yoga. Of course, reading or hearing about yin yoga and its many benefits is about as fulfilling as reading a menu when you're hungry. The proof is in the eating, and for yin yoga, the proof is in the practice. Okay, I'll stop there for now, and in the next episode of the Everyday Sublime podcast, I'm going to conclude this introductory series on yin yoga with a reflection about my favorite way to describe yin yoga. That is describing it as a bitter practice with sweet result. I look forward to sharing that with you with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with the Everyday Sublime podcast, please subscribe in iTunes. There's a link for that in the show notes I left for you. Or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you on the next episode.